God, in the exuberance of what we've just experienced, you are great. And Lord, in the stillness and the quietness, you are just as great. And God, whether we know it, whether we believe it, whether we're experiencing it right now, God, you are great. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Every single person who is in this room, every single person who is in one of the other rooms underneath here, watching us on the screen, everyone who listens later on a podcast or whatever, every person is special to you. You love them so much. Your greatness. The Bible says that you love the world so much you gave your one and only son. The vastness of the world and yet all of that is contained in the greatness of who you are. Nothing that we could have done puts ourselves outside of your love. Nothing we could ever do puts us outside of your love. You are so great, so amazing. And Lord, today we just say thank you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you take your seats? And I want to just say a, a comment really to these guys and girls and all of the team that have led us over the last four weeks in this series. It's been absolutely phenomenal. The quality of the solos that we've listened to and been moved by, the way the bands have played and led us, you know, I just think they've just done an amazing job. Why don't we thank them? Thank you, guys. It's, um, it's even more amazing when you know that every week they've got me breathing down their neck, all right? So that's what makes it even more incredible. So when you were a kid, you had all kinds of hopes and dreams about life and how it's going to turn out and what was going to happen to you. And some of you uh, aren't that far away from that age and some of you are quite a distance. But you remember that and I would suggest that nearly all of those hopes and dreams and plans you had were all big and adventurous and exciting. And then life happens. (laughs) And then the routine of life happens and then stuff happens and then it's hard and you you just don't quite know what to do. Where, Where was all that? Where was that voice that was inside of me when I was a kid that said I can believe the unbelievable, I can, you know, believe for the impossible and it was exciting and and what happens, there's a voice that I believe is God given inside every human being when they're a kid and what happens is that over time that voice gets quietened down, other things come on and so we then settle for something which is far less than what God intended every human being to experience But you know, not all of kids' uh, hopes and dreams are are all that big and adventurous. And in doing research for this, I I came across a few. So this one lad said this, When I grow up, I want to be a customer in a store. (laughs) I would buy broccoli, carrots and tomatoes. Then I would go home and make soup. Shoot for the stars, boy. Do you know what I mean? That's what he wants to do. That's the... That's the deal. And then a teacher asked a, a kid a question about trying to get them to focus on the future. And, and, what it was, and the question was this, what will you be doing when you're 100? And I thought, quite rightly so, the little kid said, breaking out of my tomb. That's a little <laughs> bit scary. But then Lucas, aged five, and I identify with Lucas because I, when I was at college, I wanted to be a geologist, okay? That's what I wanted to do. Um, and, and Lucas, aged five, said this, when I grow up, I'm going to work with rocks. So I'm immediately keying into Lucas. And then he says this, For example, I'm going to throw them in the water so they make a massive splash. So that's not quite what my geology teacher was telling me at college. 
But here's a great one. I love this one. What are three things you want to do in the future? All right, and if you've got a pen, you might want to write these three things down. Especially you guys are at school still. Okay, this is three great things for you for the future. What are three things you want to do in the future? This kid who was about seven or eight said this. Number one, get a girlfriend. Number two, kiss her. And number three, save the world. There you go. <laughs> and then after lunch, I don't know what we're going to do. See, we all have plans and we all have dreams and we have expectations, but then life has this way of pulling that whole thing down. And if you've ever seen the film Zoolander with Ben Stiller in it, the main character he plays, Derek Zoolander, he says this, and I identify exactly with every word that he says in the film here, okay? Let me just tell you that. He said this, Have you ever wondered if there was more to life other than being really, really, ridiculously good looking? That's a common question I've asked myself a lot of times. And <laughs> this idea, is there anything more to life than what I'm experiencing? That's the question I want us to think about this morning. Is there more to life than what I'm experiencing right now? Is there something greater than? And whether you're a Christian this morning, or whether you wouldn't consider yourself to be a Christian, or whether you're just not quite sure where you fit in that, we all ask that question. We all ask that question. Is there something more to life? Many of us who've been Christians for a long time, we look at our Christian life and we say, is there something more to this than I'm experiencing right now, or is this all there is? Anyone identify what I'm saying? And we ask that question. And today I want to look at a guy in the Bible who on an ordinary day discovered God had greater plans for his life than he ever could realise. His name was Elisha. And if you've got a Bible, this is in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is in the first part of the Bible called the Old Testament. And it's a little um, weird in places and a little... uh, cultural and we're going to have to work through some of those issues but we'll do that and I'll just read the story to you okay so it's 1 Kings 19 verse 19 to 21 if you haven't got a bible or you don't want to follow it then the words will come up on the screen you can follow it there so it says this so Elijah went out from there and found Elisha son of Shaphat let's pause there there are two guys here Elijah and Elisha okay we have to make sure I get them in the right place Elijah is um, the man of God he's a prophet He's like the rock star of prophets, okay? He's the prophet of prophets. He does amazing things for God in Israel. But this is towards the second half of his life. And God has said to him, okay, Elijah, now what I want you to do, one of the things I want you to do in your life, this is one of my plans for you, is to go find this younger guy called Elisha. And you're going to pass some stuff on to him. He's then going to do some of the stuff that you were doing, okay? So there's Elijah and Elisha. And this is what it says. He was plowing, this is Elisha, with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and he became his servant. Some really interesting quirky bits in this story. And um, I love this church because of the creativity in the church. And I love it because of the people that we've got behind the scenes. So Mick Cox, who I want to pay tribute to this morning, who's at the back of the building here. I say to him a few weeks ago, Mick, can you get me a boat? And he goes and gets me a boat. And then I say, Mick, can you get me an ox? Can you, can you, sorry, I didn't say that. Can you, can you get me a plough? And he goes and gets me a plough. And I said, it needs to be a wooden plough. And he gets me a wooden plough. It's a medieval wooden plough from Bewley Museum. And that's amazing, isn't it, that he does that. And then I wanted to say to him, Mick, could you get me 12 pairs of oxen? 
as well. But I, I didn't say that. But thank you, Mick, for doing that. Because you see, I want you to see this because this is really important that you actually visually see this. This is not exactly the same type of plough as, as Elisha was using. But basically... Every day of Elisha's life, he's a hard-working farmer and there is nothing wrong with working hard. Can I say that? Working hard is a really good value and ethic right through the Bible. So if you've got any kind of job, work hard, that's a really good thing to do. He's working hard every day of his life behind the backside of 12 pairs of oxen. And here's some things that I want to say about it. And it's important that you look at that because we're going to go back to that time and time again. 12 pairs of oxen means that Elisha is from a wealthy family. So every day of his life, he's got his hands full and his future is secure. Okay? Every single day of his life, he's got his plans mapped out for him and they're good plans. He's going to take over the family business and that's a good thing to do. He has got a great future in front of him. But his current job is safe, predictable, monotonous and routine. And his view of the world never, ever changes. Whether he's going that way or coming back down the field and going that way, his view of the world is always the same. He's looking at the backside of an oxen. Some of you think, I've got a job like that. (laughs) But it's predictable, isn't it? It's predictable. It's routine. Now, there's nothing wrong with a routine job, but there's something within this story which, which we've got to get a hold of really. It's not just about the job. This is much bigger than that. You see, Elijah, the man of God, comes along and in that moment says you've got to let go of your old plans and you've got to turn and you've got to follow greater plans, the plans that God has for you. That means letting go of that safe, predictable, routine, monotonous, constant view of life that you've had. Elijah calls him. This rock star of a prophet calls him to follow God. How do I know that? Because it says he throws his cloak around him. And that sounds weird in our context, but in the Bible days, the cloak was a symbol of authority and calling. It was called the mantle. You know, if you see um, the queen or, or, or or a bishop or someone, they've got a certain robe on, you know, whoa, they're an important person. You understand that there's something with that cloak. So everybody around, as soon as Elijah, the rock star prophet, comes along and puts his cloak on Elisha, Elisha knew instantly, this is God calling me to something great. This is amazing. And the Bible says that on this ordinary day, that this ordinary guy was called to let go of his plans and take a hold of God's. And he does it radically. He goes back to the family, not to ask permission, but just to honour them and say goodbye. He kills the oxen. He burns the plough. And then on that fire cooks the meat and gives it to people and then he leaves. What does all this strange ancient stuff have to say to us today in 2013? Let me just give you three thoughts. Firstly, God has greater plans for your life than you do. God has greater plans for your life than you do. Now let me make this really, let me talk about something else. One of the arguments that people have about the Christian faith is this. People say, oh you Christians, you're so closed-minded. You're so narrow-minded. You need to open your minds. Anyone ever had that said to them? you're a Christian, I have lots of times. So, so the, the, the view is that if you're a Christian, you're somehow closed-minded, but if you're not a Christian, you're somehow open-minded. That's interesting. The center of the Christian faith is the assumption that there's more to this life than what you can see, touch, measure, taste, hear, or observe. The central assumption is that there is something more. Those who oppose this view of God insist that, that, that all there is is what you can see, measure, touch, taste, hear, or observe. That's all there is. Which view is the most open-minded? Which view is the most closed and which view is the most open? 
the view, the central assumption of the Christian faith is this. There's something more. And I want to say, unless we open up our minds to the fact and the, and, or, 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 to the, or to the idea that there could be something more, we will never move from where we are. We will never understand the greater plans that God has for us. George Bernard Shaw, who was a writer, said, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. You know, if you've ever jumped out of a plane with a parachute, and my wife has, I wouldn't do that, you know a parachute only works well when it's open. Isn't that right? And our minds are like that. And there's something in this that, that you're going to need to hear this morning. But I want to say to you, if you've got a closed mind, whether you're a Christian or not, open it. Because a parachute only works well when it's opened, and so does this. Now, what if God has something more for you? What if God has something greater than for you? So here you are in your life, if this symbolizes your life, and God comes along and says, I want you to let go of that because I've got something greater for you. Now, let me be really clear. This does not mean, this does not mean that you're necessarily going to leave your job and be a wandering prophet like Elisha was. It may be, but probably it won't be. Probably it won't be. You see, the greater than that I'm talking about is not that to be greater than is to do what Simon and Steve are doing and, and, and to go for ordination and to be a minister and to have a dog collar and eventually have sandals with white socks and a tank top. I'm not saying that, okay? It's eventually where it's all headed, mate. No, seriously, it is. You haven't been to any ministers' meetings, trust me, that's where it's headed. So, <laughs> I'm joking. So that's not what I'm talking about. Because it's a very, very tiny percent of people are going to do that. The biggest issue is not that. It's not about that. It's about, is my life open to God? Or am I so closed that I'm all sorted? That actually, like Elijah, no, no, it's all right, mate. I've got 12 pairs of oxen. I've got, I'm going to just push this up and down the field every day. That's me done. That's such a closed worldview, isn't it? We're saying, no, actually, God, I'm, I'm open. And if you're wanting something different from me, and that may be to push this oxen up and down the field every day, but with a whole different mindset as to why I'm doing it. So it's not just about safe and predictable. I'm not just earning a living here. This is about serving God through doing this. Or actually, you might have something else from me. Whichever way it is, I am open to the fact that you have greater than plans for me. You see, what if God wants your view of life to change? Not just your, your job. It may be that your job is exactly the same. But in that job, in that place, in that school, where you are, Windsor, Earls, wherever it is, or in the college or university, that he wants you to stay there, but he wants your view of your life there to expand and to be different. Now, many of you don't believe what I'm saying. And let me give you a few reasons why. When I've been praying and preparing this, I think some of you in this room don't believe that God has any greater than plans for you. You've already disqualified yourself because of your past because of who you are, because of your circumstances, because of things that have happened to you, words that have been said to you, insecurities, fears, hurts. I don't know. You, you, you say, could this be me? No, 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 no. It's because Simon and Steve and all these other people. Yeah, 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 I get that, but it's not going to be me. And you've already closed off to the fact that this could be you. Some of you, you're just, you're bored. Life has become so routine and so predictable and you're saying, is this all there is? Is there anything more than this? But some of you are so busy with your plans, you can't hear God's. Because actually you've got your hands full with what you do. And you say things like this, and I hear this so much with Christians as well. Do you know what? I'll do that when. <laughs> when the kids have got through this next stage, do you know what I mean? As if kids get through one stage and they don't have any other stages. Trust me, they have stages all of their lives. I'm a, ch- I'm a kid as well. My mother's here. I'm still going through a stage, all right? So, 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 don't, so don't think that there's going to come a stage when life is going to be so sorted for you, then God, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. That's what many of us say. 
They say, actually, yeah, yeah, I would do that, but I'm so busy with this that when this is all done and sorted, then I'll do your thing, God. That day will never come. It'll never come. So if you're saying, I really sense God is calling me to something, God is asking me to do something, but just when I get this, perhaps this morning, you're here because God wants you to know that this is the moment you've got to make a decision. Because a quieter, easier day is not coming. And then there are some of you in this room and you're not even sure there is a God, let alone one who is interested in you, who could have greater plans for you. I'm going to show you this morning why this is so, so important. And I was thinking about how do I make this visual? So we've got that visual, but how do I make this whole my life thing visual? How do I connect me and you to this? And then I I thought of something actually. And so here it is uh, to make it visual for you this morning. You all know what that is? Please tell me you do. Very worrying. It's an old illustration, you know, but many of you will identify what I'm about to say now because life is like a toilet roll. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes, isn't it? It really does. And you see, it's like full now, and you think that's going to last for ages, but as it gets closer to the end, it seems to disappear. How I many you know that's true? And life is like that. You know, some of you guys who are at school, you know, resound age and stuff, you th- life is all ahead of you. That's great, fantastic, brilliant. It goes really quick. And in the light of the fact that life goes quick, it's really important that we do something with the one and only life we've got. That's why God says, I've got greater than plans for you. I have not put you on the planet just to suck up air. I've got some greater than plans for you. But all the while you're holding on to your plow, your plans, I can't get through to you. And so there's some shifts in thinking that have got to happen. A shift from self-centered thinking to other-centered thinking. This is self-centered thinking stuff, to be honest with you. But other-centered is greater than. So rather than, I'm just living my life for me and my family. Actually, I'm living my life for me, my family, and for others. Because that's a greater than way to live. What about a shift from uh, here and now thinking to eternal thinking? You know, I I love the survey, and I know I've said it to you many times, of the over 95s that were surveyed. They were asked the question, you know, if you could have your life again, what would you do differently? And they wrote answers, and the top three answers were this. Over 95-year-olds, number one, take more risks. Jump out of more planes, you know. Number two, enjoy life more as I go along the journey. And number three, do something that will last beyond me. Because this is so short and it runs out so quick that we want to make sure that we're doing something greater with our life. Then what about the shift from making a living to living a life? You see, the vast majority of us are going to stay in our jobs and that's exactly where God wants us to be. But the shift, the greater than is like, I'm not just making a living, I'm living a life. I'm being who you want me to be, God, at work, in my place, in my school, in my college, in my uni. I'm living for you. I've not grabbed a hold of my plow. I might be in the same job, but they're greater than plans. I'm not just making a living, I'm living a life. Then there's a shift from the focus on comfort and safety to a focus on value and purpose. I hope this doesn't come over too aggressive, but I want to say something. You know, when you look back on your life, are you going to say, do you know what? I built a nice conservatory and I kept a nice garden. There's nothing wrong with a conservatory and a garden, but is that all there is to life? Or might we look back and say, God, we let go of our plans so that we could take a hold of your greater than plans and we did something and you did something through our one and only life that made an impact that will last for eternity or did we just have a really nice conservatory and a well-kept garden and the final one of these things a shift is from existing on this planet to making a difference 
You know, whenever you serve, whenever you step out of your comfort zone, you, you kind of move into this greater than. And, you know, little opportunities that come along, you know, for, for some of us perhaps who haven't done some of these things before. You know, with the end of October, we've got this family fiesta kind of evening. It's on Halloween, you know, and there's all the Halloween junk around in our culture. We just thought, let's just do something different, you know. Not that we're knocking all that stuff, but just do something different. And it's a Mexican feel and theme. We want to get loads of people from the community. and We need loads of people to help make that happen. You could do that. Every time you serve, just giving up one evening of your life, you could say, do you know what? It's not just all about me and me plowing my own field. It's about opening up. You could sign up today as a practical response and say, I'll give one evening to help with that event. That's an an awesome thing to do. And it'll be a lot of fun and and I'll knock some piñatas out in the process, whatever. But every time we serve, God has greater than plans, but you have to be willing to burn your plow. Verse 21, such a strange verse. You don't see the emotional goodbye that you think you're going to see. You don't see that with Elisha going and hugging mom and dad and saying to the little brother and sister, look after your mom and dad and blah, blah, blah. You don't see that. He just goes and says goodbye. And then why kill the ox? They ain't done anything wrong, have they? For all you vegetarians and animal lovers, okay, you need to understand this is a context in a culture. Sacrifice was part of the deal. This was common to them. It wasn't weird. But the next bit was weird. Why burn the plough? There's lots of trees around. There's lots of other wood. Why burn the plough? I mean, if it's me, I'm thinking it's a really good plough. I mean, let's put it in the shed or at least let's put it on eBay and get some money from it. Do you know what I mean? Why burn the plough? Because Elisha knows this, that if he's going to let go of his plans and follow God's, it's going to get tough. He doesn't know what those plans are, but he's just, and what he does is he says, you know what? All the time I know in the back of my head that there's a plough to go back to, I might. But the moment I burn the plow is the moment I decide I'm going to follow God. No turning back. No turning back. It's interesting that the disciples, who were many of them fishermen, when Jesus called them, they left their nets and they followed him. But they went back to it, didn't they? Peter went back to it. Jesus came along and said, do you love me more than these? We're not sure what he meant by that. But is there a sense in which you know you've still got that as a fallback position? But could it be that burning the plow means I'm making the decision that I'm not going back to the old way of living? To fully live in the new plans God has for you, you have to say goodbye to the old ones. And I, I want to be honest and vulnerable with you this morning about myself in this as well. And I, when I became a Christian at 16, nearly 16, which is 10 years ago now. And, um, I, what? And, I, and that's when I surrendered to God okay, and gave my life to God. Now I've gone back and given my life to God again many, many times. And I've had to surrender many, many times. And I've had to let go of my plans many, many times. This is not a one-off deal. And at the moment, I'm wrestling with one of these as well. About six months ago, you know, five months ago, I had six weeks out and went away to America and did other things and prayed and met people, visited churches and just had a great time with God and really felt that God say to me, you know what, you guys could build a church that unchurched people want to come to where people who don't know who Abraham and Moses was and don't understand Christian jargon and don't have any time for it could understand it and connect to it and meet God. And God gave me such a passionate vision for that, which the elders and the leaders share, and we've begun to share that with you, that I thought, wow, God, what I'm doing here is really good. But I'll tell you what, this is greater than. And so I let go of that. But all the time, there's that temptation to go back. And sometimes when people, and it's not the unchurched people who come in and say anything, it's always the Christians, isn't it? Who say, do you know what, can't we have more singing? 
You know, we don't have enough singing. Can't we do this a little bit different? And can't we do that and do that and do the other and do that? And all the time I'm thinking, oh, I don't, you know, if there's criticism and that kind of stuff, let's go back to the old because it's safe and it's comfortable and it's what we know. But I'll tell you what, I'm burning that. I'm burning that because what God's called us to is far greater than that. Because we want to see people one for him, don't we? And we want to see their eternities and their destinies altered. And that's why it's worth burning the past in order that we can go forward into the future. Nothing wrong with the past. Great. But God's calling us to something greater than. I don't know what it is for you. What are you tempted to go back to? For many of us, perhaps we're tempted to go back to the old life, the old habits, the old way of being, the old way of thinking, the old props. You know, we're called to, 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 to walk with God. Many new Christians, they, they become a Christian, they get baptized, everything's fantastic. About six, seven months into the journey, it's all a little difficult. It's easy then to go back to what we knew before. But God is calling us to burn the old life so that we can embrace the new. And you might say, oh yeah, but, but it's so hard. Another film, A League of Their Own, Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, baseball film. And he's talking, Tom Hanks is the coach, he's talking to Gina Davis, who's the star pitcher, okay, the one who throws the ball there. And um, she's about to quit, and he says, don't quit, don't quit. And she says, but it's so hard. And then he says this great line, it's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. Supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. You know, it's great that Joe and uh, Gareth and Joe have had this little baby Malachi. And, and, and in a few days' time, when they move out of hospital, they're going to do for a parent, uh, as a parent, it's that's one of the scariest days in a parent's life. Some of you remember this. When you take that little newborn baby, put it in a baby seat, and you put it in a car for the first time. Anyone remember what I'm talking about? That's a scary moment, okay? And, and they're going to do that in a few days. But you know a scarier moment? 17 years future, they're going to give that little kid their keys to their car. <laughs> that's scarier, isn't it? That is scarier. Because the issue here is who's driving the car. The issue is who's driving the car. You see, whether you'll burn the plow or not is all to do with the third thing that I want to share with you. The real issue here is control. The real issue is control. You see, Elisha is fully in control. He's got his hands on his plow. He knows how to plow a field. He's got 12 pairs of oxen. His hands are full and his future is secure. God says, let go of what you know because I've got something greater than. And that's a lot easier to say than it is to do, isn't it? Because what he's actually doing is this. You're driving the car, Elisha. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want me to drive the car, if you want me to be in charge of your life, your one and only life, you've got to let it go. You've got to give me the keys. The issue is control. You know, there's a guy in, in the New Testament in Jesus' day, and um, He's a well-known guy. Many of you will know of him. You'll have heard of him. You know his name because there's no name in the Bible. But he was known for three things. He was rich, he was young, and he was powerful. He won't go far, will he? Rich, young, and powerful. Everything in our culture at once. But he's also known for a fourth thing. And we'll come on to that in a minute. You see, one backstory here is that he's a, he's a good guy. He, he, he believes in God and he hears about Jesus and he thinks, oh, this Jesus, I, I want to live like him. I want to something more than what I'm experiencing. So he chases him down one day and he, and he comes up and talks to him. And we meet him in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And the strange thing is he's running and he's an important person. He's a rich young ruler and important people never run. You never see Barack Obama or the Queen running, do you? That would be funny. Because important people don't. But he's running because he knows that Jesus got more than what he's experiencing. And, and in Mark 10, it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
the man is paying honor to Jesus by saying, good teacher. Nobody else in the Bible has ever recorded it saying, calling Jesus good teacher. He expects to be flattered, I suppose, that Jesus would be flattered, but he's not. Verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So what's going on here? Here's, here's a man who has it all, but knows that there's something more. There's something greater than. And how does Jesus respond? He makes it tough for him because he doesn't want to get him, he doesn't want him to be swept along with a tide of emotion. So he links goodness to keeping the commandments. It goes on to say, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, but and goes through the list. Man's thinking, check, check, got that, done that, yep, don't do that, yep, all there, all good. And then he says this, says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Really? He's never broken one of them? Never cheated on a Hebrew test? Never looked at a girl with a little bit of lust in his eyes? I don't think so. But in his mind, he has, because he's all controlled. He controls everything. And then this is where the drama comes in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that phrase. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, what's interesting about this is this, that Jesus looks at this man and he loves him because he sees this man who's grabbed hold of his plow, who's saying to God, there's something more. I want something more. And he looks at him and he loves him. Because what he sees in this man is a man full of energy, a man full of life, a man who if he fully surrendered to God would be amazing. But there was one thing that caused this man not to be able to let go of his plow and it was his wealth. Now the interesting thing is, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't say that to many other people. So if you've got money this morning, he's not saying to you, you need to sell your money and give it to the poor. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this, the one thing that you cannot let go of, that you cannot let control go of, Maybe the one thing that is holding you back from the greater than plans that God has. That may be your plow. For this man, it was his wealth. For you, it may be something else. For me, it's something else. What is the one thing that is causing us to not be able to let go? It's so hard. Yes, it is. It's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. I want you to take the piece of wood in your hand. And some of you who were here two weeks ago, you might think, okay, the first week of this series, you had a boat. The second week, you gave us marbles. The third week, the kids all dressed as pirates. And the fourth week, you gave us a piece of wood. You bonkers. And you might think, why do you do all this stuff? And, and many of you that had the marble, do you remember that? A couple of weeks ago, symbolized pain. Such a powerful morning. My goodness. And, and you had that marble that symbolized pain. And remember, and you heard Dave and Liz's story that the pain... It's like the marble and you try and put it in a container and it won't fit. But when you put it in a bigger container, the pain doesn't change, but your life expands. And there's no greater container to put your marble in than God. And that's what we did two weeks ago. And we're going to do something similar this morning with this. And the reason that I make no apologies for that is that we need to keep re-emphasizing the central point of the Christian faith is that it is all about surrender. It's all about giving our stuff and who we are to God who is greater than and saying, Lord, I don't want to drive the car any longer. I want you to. Would you have the keys? Would you have the keys and drive my one and only life? So in a moment, we're going to sing a song which the band are going to lead us in, which is a new song, but it's based on an old hymn. 
and the old hymn kind of, it's an adaptation really, and some of you will know this, and it says, you know, I will follow you, you know, it's, it's like no turning back, in the cross behind, before me, the world behind me, that, that, some of the words in the song. So I'm going to encourage you as we come to the end of our series to make a massive decision to say, I am going to follow God, and I'm going to burn the plough. Now, for some of you, this wood is going, to re- it's going to represent what your plough is. What's the thing that's holding you back? What's the thing that you keep going back to? Some of you, you keep going back to the same old stuff. Some of you, you won't let go of the same old stuff. What is it? You might know what it is. So when you, in a moment, if you want to take part in this and you want to bring it out, you might want to take a pen and write on it. I did that at the first service. Many people did. But a lot of people, perhaps you don't know what it is, or you might have 10. <laughs> so you're not going to write it down. But you're going to put it down because you're going to say, do you know what? I'm going to let go of that. Some of you might say, I don't know what it is. And you need God to tell you what it is. But actually, I don't want you to take that away with you. I want you to leave it here. If your decision is whatever it is, God, that you tell me, I don't even know what it is yet, but whatever it is, I don't care. I want to burn it. Then you make that commitment as well this morning. And let me help you out a little bit. If you're not a Christian, could this represent you letting go of the old closed belief system that you've had that there is no God and could you say do you know what I'll let go of this old closed belief system so that I can turn around and explore the fact that there may be something more perhaps all I thought I knew isn't actually all there is could you do that this morning that's all it may represent for you perhaps you're a new Christian there are many of you here we think you're amazing You've made commitments to Jesus in the last 12, 24 months and you are passionate and you're serving him. But you know what? Many, many of us new Christians, we do. If you've ever seen the Chuckle Brothers, anyone seen the Chuckle Brothers? We do the to me, to you thing. That's what we do. So we say, here we are. Now we're going to follow Jesus. Yes to you, no to me. And we come back again. And we go back to the same old stuff and we let go and we come back. Or we have one hand on and one hand here. So when the going gets tough, we go back to what we did before. So we go back to the drugs. We go back to the drink. We go back to the smoking. We go back to the shopping. We go back to the internet porn. We go back to the old ways of being. When passionately what we want to do is we want to say, no, I'm going to follow you. No turning back. Then we've got to burn some stuff. We've got to let some stuff go so that we can walk forward. And then perhaps you're a not so new Christian. You've been a Christian for a long time. But actually, your life has become dull and routine and monotonous and God has greater than plans for you. But you're going to have to let go of something in order to take hold of his new plans. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? I want to ask you to think about what it might be for you this morning. What might this wood represent? What might be the plough? What might be the one thing, you know, that Jesus said to that rich young ruler, this is the one thing for you. What might be that? It may be that you say, do you know what? I've got quite a few things. Well, that's okay. But this morning could be a moment when you let go of the old so that you could take a hold of God's greater than plans for your life. You're at school. You're at college. You're at uni. Doing your thing. You know, make the decision now, guys. Make the decision now. Don't wait until, oh, when I've done that, then I'll get round to God. You won't. You make it now. Say, God, while I'm there at uni, while I'm there at college, while I'm there at school, whatever it is, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. You are the person that I want to trust in my life. Why? Because you're greater than. You're greater than. All the other stuff is toilet paper, to be honest. You are greater than. So, Father, in these moments, I pray that these moments will be more than just creativity, more than just stuff. God, I pray that this would be holy moments as we surrender to you. So we let go of our plough so that we can take a hold of the hands 
the maker of the universe who's got greater than plans for every single person. Not many of us are going to lead churches and that's absolutely fine. But God, whatever you have for us is as great as anybody else's if it's your plans. So God, there's going to be people in the NHS. There's going to be teachers. There's going to be business guys and girls. There's going to be homemakers. There's going to be factory workers. Lord, there's going to be a whole load of other people who are going to be in there serving you, living their one and only life. Maybe there's some of us here who are approaching retirement, thinking about what we're going to do with our retirement, and we're already thinking around that nice conservatory and well-kept garden. But actually... Even this morning, it could be that you're saying, no, there's more to your retirement than that. There's more to your retirement than playing golf every day of your jolly life. There is a a world to save. There are young people to invest in. There are projects you can use your skills and experience in. There is so much more, which is greater than. Let's let go of our plans. Say, God, whatever it is. Elisha didn't know what it was. He didn't know what it was. He just knew who it was that was calling him. Now, I feel that's a word for somebody here this morning. You don't know what it is, and so you're, you're going to hold on until you know what it is. That's, about, that's called control. You let go. You let go, and then God will lead you. God will lead you as you let go. So, Father, as we respond, I pray, God, that the words of this song will just grip our hearts in these next few minutes, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I, I get incredibly excited um, on mornings like this. Not, not for this morning, but for tomorrow morning. That's what I get really excited about. Because if we're serious with what we've said and done this morning, then tomorrow, okay, isn't going to look any different from last Monday, but could be. Because we're going to have loads of guys going into Earls and Windsor and colleges and universities and factories and buildings and homes and communities who've all said, no turning back. I've decided I'm going to follow him. I'm going to let go of my plans for his greater than plans. God, I'm open. I don't know what it means, but I'm there. Every day, I'm going to live for you. Every day, everywhere I am, everywhere I go, I'm going to live for you. It's about you. It's about you. God, greater than plans. That changes the view of the backside of an oxen, doesn't it? It's not about looking at the backside of this oxen. It's about living for you right where I am. Every day, every day, it's you I live for. And at the end of this series, I want to just pray a blessing over you, okay? Love this church. Love all you guys that I know and those that I don't yet know. Love to get to know you more. I want to pray a blessing over you. This is a Celtic blessing. And I want to pray this over you this morning as we finish our Greater Than series. And then we get ready for what if as we start next Sunday. So as you leave this place, may the living Lord go with you. May He go behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, beneath you to lift you from your sorrows, within you to give you the gifts of faith, hope and love, and always before you to show you the way.